0: So go take a walk with me, if you don't mind. Let's go for a little stroll down memory lane. So be with me now, 32 years ago, in a small neighborhood in Jerusalem called Yemin Moshe. It's a beautiful spring day. And two young men are walking with their father, not up a mountain, Thankfully. But we are dressed. Dressed, me in my beige suit and white shirt and brown tie. My twin brother with his blue suit and white shirt and blue tie. (laughs) It is the morning of our bar mitzvah. It is the morning that we have been waiting for for years. Prepared diligently, night in and night out, well maybe he did. <laughs> Some things never change <laughs> Amen I don't know. I had an adenoid problem. <laughs> it happened to come at that moment a month before my bar mitzvah. That day in Yemen Moshe in that in that synagogue was beautiful, was memorable. We divided the portion in half and um, we split the the service. I was downstairs, my brother was upstairs. But one thing we didn't give was a Dvar Torah. I didn't have a sermon or any word. It would have been too long to have two people giving Dvar Torahs, and who knows? We did the entire service soup to nuts, but the one thing we didn't give was a sermon. And I've often wondered what my sermon would have been. And I get a chance tonight to give a sermon to my 13-year-old self. And to imagine together with you and with him, one piece of the reading that was his reading, was their reading, that morning. And how it coincides with this particular Shabbat, a Shabbat that is so special because tomorrow evening, as all of you know, is a Jewish holiday called Purim, a holiday of mass, a holiday of, of laughter, of joy. And so the parsha begins, Vayidabe'a Adonai and moshea Mor." The Torah continues its conversation about the sacrificial cult in the temple. And we're going to hear about something called an olah, which is an offering that is wholly burnt. It is given over. None of it is shared by the priests. And we have these. Two beautiful verses. Vilavasha Koain Midovad, and the priest will wear linen garments, umihnase, and and linen pants. Yilbash al he should wear on his flesh. And let him lift up the deshen, the ashes. Ashir To Khalaesh, et Mizbeach. V'samo etzalam isbeach. Lift up some of the ashes that have been burnt on the the altar. V'samo etzalam isbeach. If this was the altar, place it right here next to the altar. Step one. Step two. Ufashat et begadav ve'lavash <laughs> begadim achirim, ve'yotzi et el mi'chutz la'machane. Let him strip himself of his clothing. Let him wear new clothes, other clothes. And take the deshen, let him take the ashes now, outside of the camp, el and place it in a pure place. So I would say to my 12-year-old, 13-year-old self, I'd say, this is one of the greatest lessons you're ever going to learn in your life, David. There are some things that burn overnight. And by morning, all that's left is ash. Don't discard it. Place it by the altar, David. Remember, the universe has a conservation principle. Everything can be used to wake up. The thing that had vitality yesterday needs your careful care today. For its preservation. Some of that thing which was burning all night. Some of those habits. Some of those folkways. Some of those mind patterns. Some of those things that you've placed on the altar. Have vitality within them. They aren't just ashes. They are embers. Place them by the side of the Mizbech. By the side of the altar. Keep them close. You'll need them. They'll be part of your life. But you also need, I would say to David, David, you also need to know, Vehotsieta Deshen, you have to also be able to remove the majority of the ashes that are on that altar because until you do so, nothing new can come in. And you have two moments here, Haramat Deshen, which means lifting up from Romimu, right? Haramat Harim to lift up ashes that need to be preserved and placed by the altar. And it cre- creates great discernment. It requires great discernment to know which ashes need to be held onto, Which of those things that were working yesterday need to work today and tomorrow. But vehotziyat adeshen el teaches you, David, that you have to take the majority of the bathwater and take it out to a holy place outside of the camp. It still is holy. But it doesn't belong here next to the altar. That would be my first lesson to him. How's that so far? Okay. Since I have his attention, I'd say something else. I'd say this, David. There's another way to look at those ashes. Those ashes aren't the remainder of the something that was burning all night last night. It isn't the past being brought into the future, but it's that which can never be destroyed. There are things in life, David, that are essential and things that are, call them accidental in the language of the philosophers. It isn't essence, like your personality. All of the different masks that you'll wear. You're going to be a waiter. You're going to be a rabbi. you are Who knows what you'll be after you're a rabbi. You're going to be something before then. You're going to go through many different masks. And the essence, the deshen, the thing that you are, don't forget that it can't be destroyed. It will remain right there next to your altar. Something that is vital. Something that is essential. It is the diamond that you are. And I would say to him, Don't confuse the ashes that get sent out of the camp with the ashes that stay here close to your altar. Confusing essence and accident, confusing who you really are with how you appear. That's a big sin. It's a big mistake. It's a confusing moment. And oh, if I could say to that 12 or 13 year old and say, be very careful as you live your life to always stay in touch with that diamond, those ashes that you've kept right there next to your altar. How do we see that diamond? How do we know that essence? Well, the essence, amazingly, is in a face. Something about being in the vulnerability and the naked or decent nudity of a face reminds us of essence. And yet, the very same face can confuse us. And this is what I would say to that 13-year-old again. Purim is greater than Yom Kippur. Purim is on a higher level. It's holier. It's deeper. It's more magnificent. It's more mature. It's more full. It holds within it a theology and a religious message that is so much more profound in many ways than Yom Kippur because Yom Kippur will teach you that it's clear between what is holy and what isn't. It's clear between what is right and what is wrong. It is always clear how to achieve atonement. Just bring this and that and this and that and you're good. The Purim says it's much more confusing because the ashes are the same ashes. The ashes that we send out and the ashes that we keep there, the essence and the accident look exactly alike. So what do we do? How do we know? And this is the last thing I would say to him. There's a verse here in the beginning of your Torah reading, which you've read a thousand times. You know it by heart, but you didn't get it. You need to know that the Kohen, the priest changes his clothing. Why does the high priest change his clothing before taking the ashes out from the inner sanctuary to the outside sanctuary? Because he got himself busy. He was dirty. There's no way to avoid this work, David. There is no way for you to wear your holy clothing Keep yourself clean and know the difference between the ashes on the inside and the ashes on the outside. You are going to have to change clothing. You are going to have to get yourself so, so busy with the work of discernment in your life. Because your life depends upon it. That's what I would say. Now, I know you're thinking at this moment, 13, man, that's a heavy message to lay on somebody. I was reading a book this week called Suffering is Optional. Just want to hold it up there so you can see that. (laughs) Suffering is optional. Suffering is optional. (laughs) Suffering is optional. Book by Sherry Huber. She's a Zen uh, teacher. She writes that there are three three basic rules that one should live by in order to live a joyful, happy life. One is, everything, everything requires attention. Attention is the most important clue to waking up. So David, the priest who is the high priest, is getting with the ashes. Because the ashes are important. Remember that. Her second rule for being a happy person in this world is she says, don't believe anything. And by that, I think she means, for those who are saying, wait a second, I'm not sure if I believe that. One second. <laughs> I think she means that not everything is as it appears. And that to some extent, we have to clear off the ashes on the altar to make room for something new. If we know everything, we never learn. If we know everything, we can't learn. So you have to clear the ashes off of the altar and make room. And the third piece she says, which I loved, which is such poorim Torah, she said, don't take life personally. Or another way of saying that is it's not about you. And that's the Kohen also who wears different clothing. He wears other people's clothes, he wears a new set of clothing, a new set of eyes to see life not through his own always-me perspective, but through someone else's perspective. That's Purim. All of those are Purim. Every single one of those is Purim. On Purim, we give up the notion that we can actually know something with 100% certainty. We live in multiple perspectives. What seemed like it was obvious at one point, was completely reversed. We live with the uncertainty or the certainty of uncertainty. On Purim, we learn not to take things so personally. By wearing other people's faces and other people's masks, we let go from our own eyes and try to live in someone else's eyes. And on Purim, we devote ourselves to paying attention all of those things this weekend. And I want to bless you. I want to bless you with a Purim and a life where we're constantly connected with those ashes. We're connected with what came before so that we can know what might come next. We're connected with letting go of the bathwater, the things that don't work, the things that no longer have energy in them. We're connected with The message of living with uncertainty, of being able to hold multiple perspectives, asking for that perspective of, I don't know, Ulai, maybe, all of that. And I want you to bless me that that 13-year-old that needed to hear that and give that sermon can also live that sermon as well. That there are messages that each and every one of us needed to speak at some point And God should bless us to be able to speak them, and when we do, to have them heard. May those blessings all be true for each and every one of you. Amen.